0: Alright, so Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalamu ala ibadihi ala dinastafa. Allahu khayrun amma Um So, we're going to start into our official first thing now. And like I said, um, the idea is going to be that we try to bring things that either people are not familiar with or things that. Um, may have heard of but maybe didn't think about from different angles that I think maybe we should think about from a different angle like that. Um so in this sitting, uh we're gonna start with something that to me, I I think personally is an is an unexcavated, unexcavated pearl within itself. Um did you guys know that Abu Bakr so we all know who Abu Bakr is right it's like literally the right hand man of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam a Sadiq. All right. So did you guys know The big ayat in the Quran about him being the sahib of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he made migration or hijrah from Mecca to Medina. You know, that almost didn't happen. He almost wasn't there. Um, A lot of people don't know that. And I think that it was an amazing, amazing story. And so when I read it, I'm like, yo, this can't be sahih. And it's go crazy because when I talk to... uh People, whether English speakers, Westerners, or even when I talk to Arabs, they'd be like, "What? Why?" Because it's such a famous story—the story of him traveling and making a hijrah. Because we start our calendar based on him making that hijrah, and everything stands true with all that. But anytime you think of the hijrah, you think the Prophet and Abu Bakr. So you can't imagine that Abu Bakr was almost not there for that, you know. But so I went and checked, and sure enough, it's not just Sahih, but it's Sahih and Bukhari. You know, so it's like, okay, all right. Got to talk about this. We got to deal with it and try to extract some benefits from it. And so that's what I wanted to do with this city, inshallah. So when I lean on this. uh, Yeah, so um, so the whole point is, is that this hadith is about Abu Bakr setting out alone on his hijra attempt on migration, his first hijra attempt on migration when he tried to go to Habasha. OK, so Habesha, we say they say now is Ethiopia in that area. OK, I think that everyone knows that um, the first hijab, the first migration there was a group of uh, companions and they went to Habesha or to Ethiopia because, as the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said there, there was a righteous king and he was Christian. Um, and these types of things I like to bring because I like to show that um, the dean uh, the people who are affected, like Allah says in the Quran about the khasisin al rohban, about the 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 um the monks and like this, the people of position in the different religions. Like there are certain running themes that people who are trying to be righteous, uh, back in the days at least, people who are trying to be righteous supported others who are trying to be righteous from the same from a Abrahamic faith. And it's important to know these things because in these days and times, they've caused so much separation and division and things like that that you would think that we have nothing in common. But when we talk about Islam and we talk about Jesus and we talk about Moses, they're like, wait a minute, wait, wait. we well, you know you about Jesus Well, you know about Moses. And we talk about Abraham and talk about Noah and talk about they're like, OK, we talk about Adam is like, you know, what, what, what? But it's the proof that it all came from one source because the Arabs that. Got this, as you'll see, they had the same thing. When they mentioned these things, it's like, well, how do you know these things? They said, well, they're Arabs in the middle of the desert. They had no connection with anybody, but this, we learned them from the Quran. So they knew that the Quran was true. So from them were some like the, Nege- the uh, Negus, Negus people hear the word Najashi and they think that it's his name. It wasn't his name, it was the title, the titles of the people from Ethiopia at that time. The leaders were it was called Negus, in EGUS. OK, um, and so the titles of the, or what we call Najashi, he was one who he recognized there was a the truth and he ended up becoming Muslim, but nobody else became Muslim around him to the extent that when he died, when the Prophet Alaihi Wasallam found out he died, the Prophet gathered the Sahabas and he did the funeral prayer for him, which was where we got the idea of Salatul Al-Ghaib from. OK, so Salat Al-Ghaib is when you make a funeral prayer for someone that's not there you know, they passed away A word got to, be passed away and nobody prayed for them. Then you would to gather together and make a prayer for him, because that's one of the rights the six rights that they have that a believer has over another believer. So the point is, is, is that you had some people who recognized it as being the proper religion and he got down and submitted. And then you had submitted to a law, of course. And then you had some that they recognized it, but they realized because of their position or whatever, that it wouldn't be so easy to submit. And so they chose their position or power over or status excuse me over submitting. So the point is is that for those who know this history is fine. For those who don't, then I should give a brief introduction. So um when the Muslims were being persecuted in Mecca by the polytheists or the Quraysh, the pagans at the time who ran or who were in control of Mecca, um, it was so bad and they're literally killing people to the extent that people start to migrate. So the Prophet told them to migrate over to Ethiopia and so that's where they went um, and so they went and then a situation happened and I won't get into all of that but the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was reciting um, and he was reciting Surah Al-Najm and when he got to the end of Surah Al-Najm um, they all fell down in sajda the shaytan threw something and Allah says in, in the Quran uh, uh, the, the Prophet or Messenger Alqa fi umniyatihi that when he was reciting that the shaitan threw something into his recitation and made the, the, the pagans think that he said something different and was respecting their their gods. So when they went down in Sajda, everybody went down in prostration. So the word got back to the people of Ethiopia and they came back thinking everything was OK. But when they came back, they found things even worse. So they went a second time. So with all this being the case, things got so bad that people of high status like Abu Bakr was also going through difficulty. The Prophet himself, of course, going through difficulty. So Abu Bakr came to the situation where he decided he was going to leave out. He was going to leave out. and He was going to try to make migration to Uh Habasha, because the Prophet had to wait for Allah to give him permission to leave and he couldn't just leave out. He had to be there in order to stand for the religion and all the people that was with him. And so this is where we started in this hadith. This is why I wanted to give you some background. OK, so this hadith, amazingly enough, is in, remember, it was in Sahih Bukhari, as I said. OK, um, and it can be found in Kitab al-Kefala, uh, hadith number 2297. Uh, uh, two, two, OK, the chapter is called the Pledge of Protection Given to Abu Bakr. Now with me. <sighs> all right. So listen, I'm going to say like this. Um, and people who've heard me speak before, then they know this about me, so I'm, but I want to say it to those who don't know. Um, we had amazing people doing amazing things to help us get Islam. And one of the amazing things was that they were doing translations. And these were people who had degrees and things like that, but they were originally Arabs. And they were translating into a language that's not theirs. So sometimes you'll find things and they try to do the best they can to translate something as rich as Arabic into English. 90 some percent of the time they do well But as I started to study Arabic I realized those little t- situations where it's different sometimes they make it makes makes a big difference so my point is, is that well most things you're going to see I translated myself because I needed to be a certain way and it may not be completely what you would consider grammatically correct this and that but I translate it in a way where I think the point gets across better even if it's not something that's you know so my point is is that um, that's what I'll be working off of. So it's, uh, the hadith starts off where it says that Aisha radiallahu anha said, uh, Aisha radiallahu anha, Zawj nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam call it, that narrated Aisha who was the wife of the Prophet and our mother. Uh, she said, لم أعقل أبويه إلا وهما يديناني الدين وقال abu No, okay. Let me go down. It's two different narrations of it. Okay. وَلَمْ يَمُرْ عَلَيْنَا يَوْمٌ إِلَّا فِيهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ طَرَفِي النَّهَارِ بُكْرَةً وَعَشِيَّةً Okay, so she started off the hadith by saying, as far back as my memory reaches, I don't have a single memory except that both my parents were most uprightly living their lives upon the religion of Islam. And not a single day passed in my life, except that the Messenger of Allah, as far as she could remember, except that the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi will come to visit us twice a day, in the beginning of the day and at the day's end. Okay? She said, So, when the persecution of the Muslims had reached its pentacle, Abu Bakr set out on his way to make hijra to Habasha which we said is nowadays nowadays Ethiopia. He set out with a goal to travel to Ethiopia as an immigrant or a muhajir. حَتَّى إِذَا بَلَغَ بَرْكَ الْغِمَادِ فَلَقْيَهُ إِبْنُ الدَّغْنَةِ And some say it's Ibn Daghinnah. وَهُوَ سَيِّدُ الْقَارَةِ فَقَالَ أَيْنَ تُرِيدُ يَا أَبَا بَكَرَ بكر, فإني, oh, فأعبد ربي, فأعبد ربي, فأعبد ربي. Okay, so when he set out on his path, he reached a place that's called Barkil al And in explanation, it explains that Barq al is about five nights travel from Mecca. So he was deep into his travel. And as he went to Barq al he encountered or ran into a famous chief by the name of Ibn Daghina, okay? So uh, Daghina was a name, that was a pretty harsh name, but Arabs had harsh names, but it was they said that it was either the name of his mother or the name of his grandmother who had raised him. And so that's why he was known as that. And he was the chief of the Qara tribe, okay? In the explanation by Sheikh Munejid, he explains that the Qara tribe was a tribe that was famous and well-known and very feared and respected because they were good with Ramye, good with uh, bow and arrows and spears, spear throwing. And so they were very fierce warriors and very respected. OK, so he was the chief of them. All right. So <clears throat> immediately, Abu Daghina asked, oh, Abu Bakr, where are you traveling to? Because he's five nights travel away from Mecca. Um, and he, in general, stayed in the area that he was in because he was a merchant, as you know, and so he stayed in the area that he was in. So he said, where are you going? All right? So, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, so Abu Bakr responded, responded excuse me, saying um, that he said, my people's persistent religious persecution has driven me out, and so I've set out from my homeland in search of a place where I can worship my Lord peacefully. All right? So, the persecu- the persecution that we say got to the point that it was even affecting Abu Bakr. All right? الدغنى, And this is one of the key points. Um, so, it's a few key points that we're going to touch on. But this is one of those key points. So, pay attention. الرحم, الكل, وتقريو الضيف, وتقريو الضيف, okay? So Ibn Dagina responded immediately saying, Wait a minute. A man that likes of you should neither leave his homeland nor be forced out of his homeland. And then he gave five reasons why. Okay. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up. Okay. He said, you give opportunity to those who are in need to earn a respectful, a respectable living. Right. You keep good ties with your kith and kin. That's number two. Number three, you give to help and put to help the poor and the needy. Number four, you give food and shelter to guests in your land. Number five, you go out of your way to assist those who have fallen on hard times. Okay, now that's the reason why I wanted to go over this because uh, it reminded me immediately. You know how they say birds of a fle- feather flock together, and the whole point about having a jalis Salih or having a good companion, a righteous companion, it immediately reminded me of what Khadijah said to the Prophet Sallam when he first got the message. Remember. And he came down, and he was shaking. He said, Zemiluni, Dathiruni, uh, 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 wrap me up. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I'm scared." And then he thought, he said, I'm, I, I, might, I feel like I'm going insane or something. And she said, no, Allah would never do you wrong. For verily, and she said some of the same things. So it just shows the importance of having good character. Now, look at this. This man, Ibn Daghina, he's a polytheist. He's not Muslim. But everybody in the area knew how Abu Bakr ruled before Islam. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, fil that the best of you in this in the time Okay. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that the best of you in the times before Islam, before you enter into Islam, will be the best when they enter into Islam, either Faqihu or either tafakah, whichever narration you want to go. But basically, if they understood and internalized the religion properly. So the point is, is calling people to having good character see this is the thing and before i continue with the hadith i want to say this with me i've watched people now for four decades and some change and you have situations that go against the mold against the mold mold but in general i found that people who are looking for right They get right sincerely looking to do good and looking for rights and the thing is is that we had a grew up half my family or a great portion of my family you know they were christian um and a good portion became muslim and more and more became muslim as, as time went on because what we had people who are around us who are sincere good people they were like good people but they were christians and they had never heard about this new deen, as they called it. You know, this, this, new, this, this, this new religion. Like the old people, that's what they say. What's this new religion you're talking about? They, 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 they literally, they would probably be considered Ahlul Fatra. The people who, who. knows who, best, I'm not saying for sure, I'm just saying, they were so ignorant of what Islam was that like, they had no clue what it was. And so as they learned about it, they came into Islam in droves because they were people who were trying to do something good with themselves anyway. My mother and my father came into Islam. My uncles came into Islam. My grandmother, or my step-grandmother, I should say, came into Islam two years before she died because she watched all her children and grandchildren be Muslim. And she always believed in Islam, but she just was somebody who think who, who said you go into something wholeheartedly. And she had one thing that she thought was I oh, can't be a good Muslim for that. And sure enough, when she became to Islam, she corrected that. It was one small thing. So my whole point is, is that you gotta do good and be good around people. As, as as um as uh, a, a a great family member of mine says all the time it's about who you be when you show up you know not who you are she always used the definitive who you be when you show when you show up because uh that determines a lot about what you're going to get in life you know this this important rule in Islam which is that the things that happen to you in life, and they say it in, uh, in in Christianity too: the judgment you judge, you shall be judged. The way that you carry yourself and what you do is going to determine what you get. You'll reap what you sow. Okay, what you plant is what you're going to uh, is what you're going to what you're going to sow. So the whole point is is that he was always a good person, known as a good person. And I've seen people, many people like this in my life. You know, when I used to work at, uh, I used to work at a place called uh, Health Partners. It would, and the whole point is, is that, is that um, it was a brother, a man. He was from, uh, he was from Palestine and he was the top head exec over there. And he was Muslim and he wore a three piece suit and came in there, he kept his beard and everybody always talked about Mr. Nabil Mr. Nabil they loved Mr. Nabil Mr. Nabil was top level at that that was the you know Blue Cross Blue Shield top level and I always, that always stuck with me how beautiful that was that um, everybody knew him for just being a good person it had nothing to do with a slam no slam but as a result different people that was in there became muslim just by watching how mr mr nabil carried himself so the whole point is we have to be good people and care ourselves good and want good for everyone the prophet was sent as a rahmatan al-alamin he was sent as a mercy on mankind so we have to be good in order to get good all right so now yeah, i'm being very straight i started talking and my computer went off so i'm going to go to my phone in order to continue all right okay so he said Ibn Daghina, he said, that you have these five qualities that no man or no person should have to leave their homeland if they have these qualities, nor should they be made to go. He says, so I will stand in and put my name and reputation up in support of you, that you may return and worship your Lord safely in your homeland. For Taḥala, Ibn for Raja Ma Abi Bakr, fi Ashrafi fi Ashrafi. Kufari Kuresh. The call of him in na Ababakr La Yakhroj Mithluhu Wala Yukhraj. Atakhrujun a Rojulan Yuksi Bul Madum Wa Yasil Raham Wa Yahminul Kel uh, Wa wa Yuqur wa Yakuri Wa Yakkurit Daif Wa Yorinu Ala Nawa Ibbil Hak. So Ibn U Dagina travel back, five nights travel with Abu Bakr. This is a Muslim and a non-Muslim showing you our people got to be able to live amongst each other and just, you know, that we have more in common than we'd have to do wrong. The idea is that everybody's supposed to be able to live with each other and be decent, upstanding people, no matter what their faith or whatever it is, because we're all based on on moral good and good character. You can't be around people in order to appreciate what people are about. So he traveled for five nights back with Abu Bakr to his homeland of Mecca. And then... He sought out the leaders of the disbelievers of Quraysh, and he addressed them, declaring, Verily, the likes of Abu Bakr should never feel they need to leave the place where they reside, nor should they feel pressure to leave. For verily, he gives opportunity to those in need to earn a respectable living. Number one. Number two, he keeps good ties with his kith and kin. Number three, he gives to help the poor and needy. Number four, he gives food and shelter to guests in the land. And number five, he goes out to his uh, uh, of his way to assist those who have fallen upon hard times. Okay? جِوَارِ إِبْنُ الدَّغْنَةِ so Quraysh allowed Ibn Dugan's pledge of protection and agreed to allow Abu Bakr to return home safe from persecution. All right. So if you know the background of the Quraysh or the background, of, it, 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 Allah says what he says in the Quran for a reason. He mentions them because Quraysh, even though they had all of these different things that they had picked up over time, they were still very upstanding people. And so one of the things that was upstanding about them was the whole issue of their honor and honoring a pledge when it came to things like this, just because of the fact that it put their reputation on the line. People grew up knowing things like the Godfather and things like people run numbers on the street and stuff and things like that. You know, reputation is everything, like everything. So for the sake of that reputation. They knew. They couldn't be liars. They knew that they had to keep their pledges with people because they had to, that's that's how they got their business, you know. So they had certain qualities that were good with them that you know, if they came into Islam, there were good qualities. Okay, so Ibn Daghina, but then the, the, the chiefs of Quraysh said to Ibn Ibn Daghina, Mur Eba Bakr, Feli Yabu Durabha Hoofhi Dadihi F uh Masha وَلَا يَسْتَعْلِن بِهِ قَدْ خَشَيْنَا أَنْ يفتنا أَبْنَاءَنَا وَنِسَاءَنَا قَالَ ذَلِكَ أَبْنُ Abu لِأَبُوْ Li لِأَبِي Bakr. Okay, so they said to him, they said, but it's a condition, basically. They didn't say condition, but it was understood as a condition because they brought it up later. They said, but just go back to Abu Bakr and tell him that he has to stay in his house and worship. Okay, he can worship his Lord in privacy. Separation between church and state. Go in your home and do whatever you want, huh? He said, "You you go because the whole idea is to not let it be known, so that they can keep their power." Okay, so he said, "Separation church and state. He said, you can you can tell me he can go in his house and he can pray and read his Quran as much as he wants in there, but don't bring it outside. Don't bring it outside of his home grounds to annoy the people to annoy us." They said, for verily, we fear that our children and women will be influenced by it. So they understood. And you have to remember from the other different hadith, they knew that what he was upon was the truth. But they were about their power. So it's just like with other different types of uh, cultures that you know from, you know, from nowadays, uh, not nowadays, but 40, 50 years ago, you know, they kind of, kind of kept the woman and children in the dark of what's going from, what's going on. So the men did what they did and men are corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So they didn't want their children and their wives hearing this Quran and seeing this man pray because most people that's at home, women and children, they have softer hearts than these evil men. And as they said, we don't want them to be influenced by his recitation and by his prayer. Okay? So, Ibn al went back and told Abu Bakr, you can go home now and, you know, they said that they would prefer that you do this, that you stay in your home and pray and do like that and don't bring it outside. Okay? فَالطَّبِقَ أَبُوْ يَعْبُدُ رَبَّهُ فِي So, Abu Bakr, for a period of time, he stayed deep inside his home and prayed and read his Quran, okay? But then something changed over a period of time. It might have been that it got hot, you know? He have air conditioning and things like that. And Abu Bakr was a rich man, so he had a whole courtyard that was part of his home, okay? So he had, like we have, you know, we have the porch and like this in the courtyard. He had a whole courtyard that belonged to him and was part of his home. So after a period of time, He came up with the idea So after a period of time for whatever reason it could have been because it was hot inside it could have been for whatever reason he decided that he was going to make uh, an area for praying out in his courtyard and his courtyard is blocked off so it's not like he's just coming out into the people his courtyard is blocked off but it's not inside the walls of or the confines of his home where he can get some air and he can pray and do whatever he's gonna do in that area. Okay? So, uh so Abu Bakr returned and he worshiped his Lord as we wished in his own home. Okay, and then after a period of time, as we said, he had the idea of preparing a place where he could pray in the courtyard. So he prepared the place in his courtyard of his own home and began praying and reciting Quran in this place. Can a Yusalifi in this place, Wa in al-Quran. ويتقصف عليه نساء المشركين وبناؤهم يعجبون وينظرون إليه وكان أبو بكر رجلا رجلا بكاء لا يملك دمعه هِنَ يقرأ القرآن uh, فافزع ذلك أشراف قريش من المشركين فأرسلوا إلى ابن الدغنة. Okay, let me start translating explaining. Okay, so he started praying in this place in his courtyard. And his courtyard is blocked off. So he doesn't know that people are looking at him. He thinks he's still in the safety and the confines of his home. No problem. But when he started to recite, it says yet the kosof. Yet the is like it's a really strong word. It's like when people, you know how uh when you see uh some dignitary or like when you're at a, a um at the Bismillah, Rahim. At a concert or something, and that front row, how everybody kind of piles on top of each other like that in order to be able to get a good look, or like this, like this is the the, the understanding. So like they were the 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 woman and children were outside of the wall of his home, but they could hear his recitation, and it was so amazing to them that they started to kind of pile on each other quietly and just like listen to this recitation of what he's talking about in this Quran, okay? So, so it, it, it was like, it's not like a some crazy crowd. It was just like, they're hearing it and they're coming close. I think you guys know how it is when someone's eavesdropping and they're like kind of listening and peeking through and seeing this man crying or this man reciting or whatever. And I'll continue on so you understand why I said crying. And then Aisha said, "What He said, and Abu and Bakr, he was a person that was soft-hearted. He was something that someone who, who cried, because he let things touch his heart. Huh? He couldn't uh 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 like he couldn't not control himself, but like he couldn't hold in the emotions when he was reciting the Quran. So this is important to say because of the fact that in Salah, it's makruh. it's like almost forbidden to be whining like rrr, rrr, rrr. no you can't do that but the way that the prophet sallallahu and the righteous would do is the way that law described it in the Quran when you talked about the people before us he said that and uh, when they heard the news uh, heard the Quran أَعْيُنَهُمْ مِنَ Mimma مِمَّا عَرَفُوا مِنَ الْحَقُ you would look and see their eyes pouring with tears but they're holding back the sound And in in Sahih Bukhari, the prophet, Imam Bukhari brings a hadith describing the prophets crying in Salah and the righteous and said he used to hold back the sound, but the tears would flow profusely until the sound couldn't hold back anymore. And it would sound like a a, a kettle or a pot on a stove with a top on it when it starts to kind of boil over. The water starts to like, like starts to boil over like this. Like this is how the sound was. So. It wasn't like he was making a scene and no, no. He's just reciting the Quran, filling it, but everyone who knows the sound of a man crying stretches. And so that sound stretched outside of the walls of his courtyard. And the woman is like, well, what's going on? And they look at the children first. They said the children, then the woman. And they're peeking little peeking to see what's going on. And they're listening to this Quran. And it's amazing to them. And it's softening their hearts. So, of course, it started to affect the woman and children. So, when word got back to the chiefs of Quraysh, they were living. And they're like, this is exactly what we feared. And so, they summoned Ibn Daghina. Okay? They summoned Ibn Daghina. All right. All right. So, فأرسلوا إلى ابن الدغنة فقدم عليهم فقالوا له إن كنا أجرنا أبا بكر على أن يعبد ربه في داره وأن, وإنه جاوز ذلك فبتنا مسجدا بفناء داره وأعلن الصلاة والقراءة وقد خشينا أن يفتن أبناءنا ونساءنا he said Let me start translating. So he said, so they sent for Abu Darghina, and he comes and says, "What's going on? What's the problem?" That's that's five days travel to him, five days travel back. So it's a period, it's this period of time where they're trying to be respectful, and this is how the Arabs were. They were respectful for their, for, for what they did as far as the, the their their pledge. So they ain't go mess with Abu Bakr, and so they had the person that's supposed to that who's who he gave the pledge for come back. But during this time, of course, Abu Bakr is just going about his normal life. And so the woman is still being af- affected by this and the children are still being affected by this. So when he returns, when Abu Bakr gets uh, uh, get to them, the tribes of the other chiefs of the Quray say, we gave the pledge of protection or the, p- protection, uh, the pledge of, yeah, of protection to Abu Bakr from you on the condition that he would pray in his home. And that he wouldn't uh, make a broadcast or make, uh, you know, known his salat and his recitation, because we feared that our women and children would would be affected by that. And now, yeah, he's in his home, but he's in the courtyard of his home, and he's praying and reciting Quran. And just as we fear, our women and children are being affected by this. Okay, he says, fa uh, tihi. فإن أحب أن يقتصر على أن يعبد ربه في داره فعل وإن أَبَىٰ إلا أن يعلن ذلك فسأله uh, فسأله فسأله أن يرد إليك ذمتك فإننا كرهنا أن نغفرك ولسنا مقرنين لأبا بكر الأستعلان. Okay, so they said so. We got two options here. We can't we can't do this. He says, so either you go to him. So it shows you it was no con- no contact between them and Abu Bakr. They, they wasn't dealing with each other at all. So you go to him and you tell him if you want to go back in his home and pray and do his reciting, then do that. No problem. But if he decides that he wants to do this thing that he's doing where he's yeah, he's in his courtyard. But I oh, want women and children can hear this. If he's going to do that. And we need you to take back your pledge. renege on that. Because why? Like I said, the tribes of during those times, they that respect and the uh, um, reputation meant everything. He said, we don't want it to have the reputation that we gave somebody the pledge of protection and then we had to do something to break it. We don't want that to be on us. We don't want that to be on you. But we can't allow him to keep reciting and doing this like this and affecting our women and children. Okay. So he goes back to him. All right, call it Aisha. For ata ibnu dagina, eber bakr. For call a kod alimtelevi a katu, leka ale. For im ma and takatasir, ala velik, wa imma and torud de ilaye them meti. For in ne la uhibu, and entesma al arab, and tesma al arab, and ne achfirtu, fee rodulin, a katula. Okay, so. He went back to Abu Bakr, and he said, Abu Bakr, he said, well, what's, what, what's, what's going on? What's, what's, what's? He said, you know, I gave my pledge of protection for you, and I told you that they wanted you to stay in your home. Abu Bakr is looking like, I'm in my home. This is this my grounds. He said, they, you, you came out, and you the thing that you built in your courtyard, they can hear you. And their women and children are being affected by that. And they they can't get down with that because their women and children is going to start coming into Islam. That's going to mess everything up. So they kept their women and children far away because women and children have softer hearts. They'll get down and know the truth. Like so many of their women and children did get down. Those same chiefs, some of their children, some of their sons are the top sahabas. Some of their daughters are some of the top companions of the Prophet So saw them after it was all over. So the whole point is, is uh, they're like, no, we can't do this. So he said to them, listen, I know it was oppressive. But either you're going to have to go in your home, in the confines of the of the walls of your home, and recite into what you're going to do. Or you're going to have to, to uh, return my pledge to me because I don't want it to be a situation bad for me or for Quraysh that I gave my pledge. And then the pledge had to be broken because it shows bad for them and it takes the, my reputation. It takes, you know, it lessens the the power of my pledge. All right. So so abu bakr said okay i understand the situation thank you i for what you've done but now i I'll I'll, I'll I'll take that situation off of your the responsibility of your pledge and i'll depend yes i'll absolve you There it is yeah i absolve you of that pledge and i'll Trust and be be uh, satisfied with the protection of Allah. All right? So, the pledge is gone. So now the persecution comes back. And he's going through difficulty. So, at that time, around that time, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, يوم بمكة, فقال Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, قَدْ da'ra دَارَ هِجْرَتِكُمْ so around that time the messenger of Muhammad the messenger of Allah وسلم, was in Mecca and he said to his companions, "Your place of immigration has been shown to me. We know now where we're going to make hijrah to. I've been shown a salty land." Planted with date palms and situated between two mountains, and those two mountains are the two Haras. So they knew that this meant that they knew which way they were going. They were going to Medina. Okay. من So after the Prophet made that announcement, then. The people that were being persecuted in Mecca started to make hijra, started to make hijra in small groups to Medina. OK, so they had to sneak out most of the time They had to sneak out in the middle of the night. I had to, you know, you know, they had to figure out ways to get out. But they were getting out because they wanted to keep them persecuted because they wanted to crush the religion of Islam. So nobody could know what they were going or what they were doing. So they set out. And they started to go into Medina, and even the people who went to Ethiopia, Ethiopia was still a Christian land, and as safe as they were there, they were ready to come to and establish a Muslim land. So they came back from Habisha over to Medina. All right, all right. What the Hajj is Abu Bakr, So then Abu Bakr got ready to, again. So <laughs> he almost made two hijras before he went with the Prophet because he was still going through difficulties. So he got himself together. This is what shows you who Abu Bakr was. He considered himself to just be a normal person, but he just knew that the Prophet Sallam deserved all the support in the world, and they were friends before it's the whole Islam thing. And so it's like, okay, I know that he's upstanding. I know, you know, and in some narrations it said that he had different dreams about what was going to happen, just like the Prophet Sallam would go have the true dreams or whatever. And so he knew that this was the truth. But he's a normal person. He had to take care of his family. He had to save them from persecution and himself. So he started to get himself ready. So he could go make hijrah also. All right. So. So. تهجز أبو بكر مهاجرا. فقال له رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. على رسلك. فإني أرجو أن يؤذن لي. قال أبو بكر. هل ترجو ذلك بأبي أنت؟ قال نعم. فحبس أبو بكر نفسه. الله الله ليصحبه ليصحبه okay and that's the end of the hadith so abu bakr prepared himself so he could go travel and right in time for the event perfect so abu bakr set got himself ready in order to travel and uh As he was getting prepared, the Prophet came past and said, No, I need you to wait because I'm getting the feeling that Allah is about to give me permission in order to make Hijrah also. All the Muslims will make sure all the Muslims leave, and then I'm going to be the last one, and I think that's coming soon, and I need you to go with me. So he said, May my father be ransomed. You think that it's going to happen? He said, Yes, and I want you to be my Sahib. And so he stopped and he waited. And he prepared for four more months of persecution and difficulty. But he had two camels, and he fed those camels and prepared them for the travel for when they would travel to make the hijrah that we know now as the hijra of the Prophet وسلم, Abu Bakr. So there are great immense benefits in this. What we're going to do is stop right now because it's time for the event. And in our next part, we're going to sit down and talk about some of the great benefits. What you can do is if you hear a sit down with this, mention some of the benefits that you think are some of the things you benefited from and uh, share them with us. And then we'll see if we hit the mark or didn't. And we can talk about some of those benefits also, inshallah. All right. That's that then. So we got to close it out. So for now. Make sure that we stay with that, which is good. And until next time. Assalamu'alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. ما لا يرضوك الا محسن فمن الذي يدعو يرج الان